If you would please repeat the top with me, please say courageous, courageous. Faith, faith in a confusing season. There's nothing more frustrating than confusion. There's nothing. Like getting up and not knowing what in the world, what in the world am I doing? There's nothing like looking around and trying to figure out how you got here. I mean, you're a nice person. You're reasonable. Why did you end up in a marriage like this? Why did you end up in this circumstance? How in the world could it be possible that after all of your efforts on this job, you feel disconnected? It's confusing. Here's what I've learned. You have to learn how to manage confusing seasons. You have to learn how to do that. And how you manage confusing seasons is going to tie, or let me say it another way, determine your future. So the big question today is how do you manage confusing seasons that challenge your faith? And those seasons come. There are moments when your faith in God, your faith in yourself, your faith in your family, your marriage, your faith in your friends, all of that can be challenged. But when your faith in God is challenged, strong, it's real. How do you manage that? You thought this, but now you're dealing with that. In our story today, there are two people, Mary and Joseph, and they are in love. <laughs> that is always challenging. And they have this incredible challenge that they can't explain to people. Now, this is the time of the year where you always talk about this story, and so you just, you're trying to, for me, it was, how does this fit in the scope of what we've been talking about? Well, the whole year we've been talking about courageous conversations. And one of the conversations that you have to have is a conversation about what you believe. And, and, the, and, and what you believe is really seen when you're confused. It's in those moments that you find yourself dealing with the truth. Oh, yeah, you can get on your tippy toes and you can, you can be fine and cute, but wait until you're mad. You, whenever you date a guy, when you see a girl, she's really cute. Wait until she's mad confused, don't understand. Wait until he's confused. It's in that moment that you learn something. Uh, I don't always like all the elements of school. I'm a learning person. I like to learn. But believe it or not, some of the best moments come when you are faced with a confusing assignment. Oh, man. When you don't quite see it the way the professor sees it or the teacher sees it and you're trying to swim through that moment of confusion, that's the learning process. That's the growth process. It's in that stroke of I don't know what to do next. It's in that moment when you cannot figure out the new job and you cannot figure out the new home and the new city. It's in that swim and that stretch that something happens to you. You grow. Two people in this story are going to grow. Say their names. Say Mary, Mary. and Joseph. Joseph. One is a middle schooler, 14, 15, depending upon what, who, what source you believe. But let's just say in our story she's about 15. And let's just think for a second what it's like to have a challenge. And there are three challenges they both are going to face. He's a little bit older than her, but just think of it this way. They're facing, repeat it with him, please say, moral confusion. Relationship confusion, 
Financial confusion. They are going to have to make a moral decision that's very difficult. And it's difficult to explain. Secondly, they now have to make a relationship decision. Joseph's going to have to decide, can we go forward or not? And then they've got this financial decision. I think, I, when I look at their pictures, when I look at them and ever see them, the image is, you know, they're not like rolling in money. They are people, think about this now, she's on a donkey most of the time when you see her. And he's walking. That's a rough start. They don't have a lot of money. In this culture, these weren't rich people. But I want you to think about all these elements are together. And so you have all these folks, these two people facing this. And then when you look at them up close, there's no family support. Not really. If you think of the story of Mary and Joseph, you never hear about mama or daddy or anybody. You just hear about these two people. What's it like to have no family support? Now, some of you really know what that's like. Some of you don't. I mean, it's, it's really emotional to one day wake up and for whatever reason, they died or something happened or you moved, whatever the reason is, or strife, whatever it is, to have a moment in your life when there's no family support, that's a moment. And it can be very confusing. When you look at their story, you also see public shame. They're living through no family support and public shame because, of course, no one believes them. No one believes that this pregnancy that she has is inspired by God. Here's the truth. You wouldn't believe it. Let your cousin tell you that. The Holy Spirit came on me. Really? Was his name Joseph? <laughs> Think about what you would say. And then this is, when you look at their story, this long season of isolation. You know, if you think about when you hear Jesus appear in the New Testament, you have this long gap between the birth of Jesus and when he's 12 in the temple, right? And he gets lost. And now he's with his family. And there's this big entourage of family members that all went to the temple, went to this 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 retreat or this, 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 this feast day. And in that moment, you see family again, but there's a long gap where you hear nothing about family. What's it like to live in a moment of isolation? Some of you are there right now. Some of you are living in a season right now where you feel like, do you feel like Mary and Joseph? Now, I want to show you how this unfolded. If you look with me at chapter, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and then I'm going to jump to Matthew in a moment, chapter 1. But let me show you in these two texts. Luke chapter 1 starts in verse 26. Here's how it all started. It starts with this confusing conversation with an angel. An angel comes, and he has this announcement he makes. But, and it, it's, an, it's, it's celebratory, but it's confusing. And, and it's, about, it's, about, it's about pregnancy. Listen to what he says. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Now, the sixth month is referring to a connection. If you read the whole chapter, you'll see her cousin is pregnant with John the Baptist, and she's six months pregnant. Okay? So it starts in verse 26 with the conversation. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Catch this now. She's a virgin betrothed. That means to be engaged. She's engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, you have to understand when in this kind of culture being engaged was like the final deal i mean you know you had the final ceremony coming up but this was already a done deal families had met everybody had agreed everything had been exchanged it was already settled so we're waiting for the final final to happen right well she's engaged to this man named joseph and of the house of david the virgin's name was mary verse 28 
Luke chapter 1, and having come in, the angel said to her, listen to this now, this angel's talking to her. So you can you imagine this? Now, make it a Hollywood look, okay? He's got wings. I don't know. He's glowing. I don't know. He's hanging, hanging like midair. I don't know. Something. Something's going on. She's figured out it's an angel, okay? This is not a normal person. This is not a person from planet Earth, okay? The angel's talking to her, and we'll listen, we'll listen to this conversation. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Okay, that's interesting. Um, blessed are you among women. Okay, I'm a young woman. Okay, she's a teenager. Think with me, teenager. Think with me, 15, 14, 15. Think that way, okay? So he's talking to her, verse 29, but, she, but when she saw him, she was what? Excited. No, she was excited. Oh, wow, angel, this is really cool. No, she's nervous. She doesn't know what he's talking about. You start talking to me. You ever had people start with you, just kind of jump into the conversation with you? And you're kind of like, okay, that's different. <laughs> people do me like that all the time. They walk up to me and just start talking. Oh, I like that sermon you did. Or this is a great one. You know, I agree with you. What you said, I'm going, hello, what's your name? <laughs> but no, they start just like we kind of know each other. It's okay. We'll work it out. But so the angel's talking to her, and he's saying all these amazing things to her, and she's listening, and she's going, okay, like a teenager, okay, 15. You know how they think, right? 14, 15. And so the angel's talking, and he said, uh, and she's troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. In, in other words, what is he talking about? That's how a teenager would respond, right? What? Blessed, highly favored of the Lord, hanging from the ceiling, and glowing with a wing. Okay, watch this, 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Oh, that's easy. You're a man in here glowing and you got wings. And you're telling me stuff I don't understand, so I shouldn't be afraid. You can't call 911. This is when you pick up the cell phone. Uh, I need some help. But she's standing there by herself, and he's saying all these things. And then, watch this, he says, and he says, Mary, so he knows my name. Okay, this is, this is weirder. He knows my name, and he's glowing, he's hanging from the ceiling with wings. For you found favor with God. Okay, you know, this is not going well. Watch Mary's moral confusion grow. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb. You're going to get pregnant and bring forth a son. Okay, now you're in my personal business. And, sh and, you, and then you should call his name Jesus. So you're naming my first child. Okay, this is really good. Be 15, 14. Think with me for a minute. You with me? This is special. So uh, he will be great, and he will, call, he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Oh, he's going to become king. So my child is going to give me his name. He's going to become king. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Okay. Did you get that? At 14, 15, are you with me? Tracking, trying to understand why the guy's glowing, hanging from the ceiling way with wings. And he's talking to you about your future, your children. He's giving you this whole prophetic promise. What's powerful is her response. Verse 34. Mary said, say that out loud with me, please. Come on. Mary said, pause for a second. Now, I don't know if her hands are on the hip. I don't know what she did. But she said, uh, excuse me. Ah, uh, excuse me. Angel guy hanging from the ceiling with the wings. Okay, hey, this is a question for um, how can this be? Can you say that with me, please? Come on. How can this be? How, how, uh, all you just said? I don't see how any of that's going to happen. How can this be since I don't 
know a man. Translated, I don't do that. What it takes to have a baby, excuse me, I have high standards, non-negotiable moral boundaries. Uh, so your whole announcement is false. <laughs> she got to be somebody at 1450 to talk like that. Can we say amen if you're hearing me? Amen. I mean, you got to be, you got to have some spunk and some fire and some strength. I mean, are you like that? Are you like that? Are you, can you relate to this woman? Can you, look, here, here's the deal. God looked over the whole earth and said, I need somebody. I need somebody. I need me somebody. Who will I choose? Mary. All the heavens say, yeah, she's the one. <laughs> Mary's the one. So here's the plan. I, God, am going to go and I'm going to wrap myself in flesh, and I want to be born into the world to save the world because they lost all of them. Nobody can do it like me, so I'm going to do it myself. But I need, I need a birthplace. I need, I need a miracle. It's called the incarnation, not reincarnation. Okay, that's called, everybody say incarnation. That's God stepping into flesh and coming into the world. And so here's what we believe as Christians happened. He chose Mary. Why did he choose Mary? Here's the reason. Man's hanging from the ceiling, glowing with wings. And she said, excuse me, man with the wings hanging from the ceiling. I don't do that. Are you like that? Uh, do you have boundaries that you draw no matter who's talking to you? No matter whether you glow or not, hang from the ceiling with wings, it doesn't matter. Uh, excuse me, I, I don't do that. What are your I don't do's? In your life, this is a moment that's confusing. But in the middle of her confusion, she's clear about what she doesn't do. Oh, that's a bad woman. Can you say amen? I'm going to beat it when I get to heaven. Where is Mary? I love this. Verse 35, the angel answered. There's a dialogue. Watch this now. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will, will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One, the Holy One, Mary, who is born to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. You want some evidence that this is an angel talking to you, that God's telling you something prophetically. Go, go check in your, your, aunt, your, your cousin out. Eventually down the road in, in Luke 1, she agrees and says, I'm your, I'm your maidservant. Whatever you want is fine. But I want you to notice the amazing power of a clearly devoted person. You know how you know if you're clear? When confusion comes, you stand strong. You don't change. I love this exchange. I love the fact that in the middle of that bad, that tough moment, she's morally clear. She's not changing for a man hanging from the ceiling, glowing with wings. Who do you change for? What does it take to move you off your moral convictions? He fine. Got a car. Talk nice. What does it take? Not only was she special, Joseph was special. Watch his moral confusion in chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. Joseph heard she was pregnant, and the Bible says in verse 20, chapter 1 of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Watch this. I'm sorry. Go ahead to verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, before they had any intimate relationships. 
She was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. It's important to say that. Joseph hadn't done anything. She hadn't done anything. And now she comes to Joseph and she says she's pregnant. Then verse 19, Joseph, her husband. That's the, 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 the engagement process was so final. In the text, he's called her husband. Being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was thinking about, was minded to put her away secretly. I got to end this. Now, you got to understand, this is, this, is, this is shameful. Your family knows it. it you're showing. Uh, you can't hide it. And so now Joseph has to make a painful moral decision. And while he was thinking through this, I love the fact that Joseph thought about it first. During this moment when he was filled with fear and confusion, he thought about it first. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Read that with me, please. Come on. Verse 20. But while what? He thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord did what? One more time. While he did what? Thought about these things. Notice he didn't just react when he was confused. He didn't just start saying bad words. He didn't just fly off the handle. This was the guy who was willing to think. This is why he was chosen. See, God chooses couples because of the gifts they bring. A husband and a wife who have the capacity to make a tough decision during a confusing season. God had to give Mary a man who could get it. It's important. While he thought about these things, here comes another man hanging with wings from the ceiling. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, though saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. Really? For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine when he went back to Mary and said, you know, some guy hanging from the ceiling with wings came and talked to me, the same guy you're talking about? And he said something about Jesus, too. Did he, did, yeah, that was the name he gave you? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is looking like it's lining up. So all these things were done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. All this was prophesied. This was prophesied a long time ago. Behold, an angel, the virgin, shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is, here it is, folks. Say it with me, please. Say, God, God with us. It's a God moment. Joseph recognized it. This is a God moment. Now, here's what's really interesting. Joseph understands this and makes this courageous faith decision that is going to change his life. Believing God does not always feel good. That, that's a misnomer in Christianity. That somehow when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be just wonderful. Everybody's going to like you. You can keep all your friends. Absolutely not. Here's what happened. Joseph decided in verse 24, Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took to his, him his wife. When he woke up from that sleep, all he needed was a dream. He didn't need anything else. Once he was clear, watch this guy. Here's why he was chosen. He went and he married her. And he did not know her. He didn't bother her physically. He had no intimate contact with her until, until the son was born. And he did like the angel said. They call his name Jesus. Now, think about what this is like. Now, if you want to understand this, John chapter 8, verse 41 will help you. 
Because in John chapter 8, verse 41, fast forward, several years, Jesus is over 30. They're having a conversation with Jesus. And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. That's what he says to them in in exchange, right, with the leaders. Because they're doubting his authority as as the, the, the Messiah or whatever. And so they say, he says, you're of your father, the devil. And then they say these incredible words in John chapter 8, verse 41. When I read them for the first time, I was astonished. They looked at him and said, at least we were not born of fornication. Mm -hmm -hmm. Take that, your mama. (laughs) Oh, it was a moment. It was a moment. I mean, now here's what you learn. They had been living with, when Joseph made this decision, He knew that for the rest of his life, he would be branded unfairly. Can you live with that? Can you live with the fact that some people will never understand, you never get it, and it's okay? Oh, God, what a moment. And it's confusing to his family. What would you tell your son? Boy, don't marry that girl. Joseph, please, please, don't get an old donkey and leave town with that girl. Don't do that. No, we ain't coming to the birth. We ain't coming. No. What are you doing? And Jesus, that's the name you chose? Jesus? Why did you choose that? The angel told us. I told y'all crazy. The angel told you and her. The man hanging from the with wings. Told y'all to name the baby Jesus. I want you to name him after your father. Why are you name your father not named Jesus? You know, I'm just thinking all the stuff that's in his mind. Sometimes you can't explain. Curious. Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do? Raise your hand if that's true. You've been accused of something you did not do. Now, some things you did do, but not that, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I did this, but not that. You asked me about that, right? Okay. But there's this moment where ju- these folks decide to live with this, and it was amazing. Now, I want to close with this, and this is important because this is a little bit of a geeky part of me. I just thought, wow, they would like to know this. Maybe you wouldn't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This is what I call three interesting facts about Jesus' family. Because when you look at this family, if you're not careful, you think this is the end, right? This is it, okay? That Jesus is born, he comes in, he saves the world, and he goes to the cross. But I thought it would be interesting to dig a little deeper and look at this. Now, in the end of Mary and Joseph, they had six children, at least. Beyond Jesus. He names them. They had James, Judas, Joseph, and Simeon, at least. It's four boys that are named. I put them in bold prints for you in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. The Bible says that he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. Verse 2, when, when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these 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 with things, and what wisdom is that which he has given to him that, uh, <laughs> that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And is this not the carpenter? Isn't this the guy that fixed my house? Isn't this the guy that added on a room? <laughs> is this, you're talking about Jesus, right? And you mean the guy whose brother's name is James and Joseph, and he had one named Judas too. He had a brother named Jesus, Judas. And then he had a brother named Simon. I'm thinking, okay. And then, and verse, and not, are not his sisters with, here with us? His sisters aren't even talked about. So he at least says that's four plus two sisters. That's six minimum. Could it be more? I mean, I want you to think about this. Mary and Joseph had a life beyond this moment. But that life was, was lived under the brand of 
unfaithful to God. They were misunderstood all their life, and they lived through it. You know what your problem is sometimes? You know what my problem is sometimes? We don't want to live with any unfair brandings. We don't want anybody to misunderstand us. Can you grow? Teenagers, look at me. Can you grow past the criticisms of the people around you? Can you be strong enough to build a family no matter what? I love the fact that they had a life past us. I thought it was amazing. You might not want to know that, but I thought it was great. In the early days of ministry, his brothers did not believe in him, too. That was fascinating. In John chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. As a matter of fact, here's what the brother said. You've got to understand, this is amazing. This He comes in town, right, to see his family, right? And chapter, John 7 says, after these things, uh, Jesus called, walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. That's a good reason. Verse 2. Now, the Jews, the feast of the tabernacle was at hand. His brothers, who am I talking about now? John chapter 7, verse 3. His brothers, therefore, said to him, this sounds like brothers. Hey, depart from here. And go to Judea. Once you go to Judea, Jesus, and your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even, read it with me, please, verse 5. For even his what? Brothers did not believe in him. Why don't you just go out there that you know you want while you're here? Why don't you go to Judea where they'll kill you? They lived in the house. They lived in the house with a big brother that they didn't have. They didn't have a clue who he was. When you go back to the story of John chapter 2 where he turned the water into wine, remember Mary called him in private and said, could you do me a favor? She knew who he was. And he said, what are you, what, what are, what, what are you talking about? Mary? Well, Mom, what do you, what, woman, he called her, what do you want? She says, the water is out. The wine is out. I want you to do something. So he turns the water into wine, but no one was there. He put them all out the room. See, I want you to, there's, a, there's, a, there's that private, you living with Jesus, and all these things are happening, but if you get to Acts chapter 1, verse 12, everything changes. If you go down to the bottom of the verse, Acts chapter 1, verse, verse, um, verse 14, when they're in the other room, there's a list of people that are listed, and I want you to know that they're, they're, they're written out here. Verse 14, then all, they all continue, these all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with who? His brethren. They come around. By the time you get to Acts chapter 1 and you get to the place where Jesus is in the upper, when they're in the upper room waiting on the day of Pentecost, his brothers, these four guys are in there. Now, the sisters, I don't know where they are. They probably, they're at, they probably married, but notice his brothers changed their mind. You know, if you can win your brothers, you're all right. Say Amen. So here's the conclusion. Mary and Joseph believed, even when confused. I can learn from that. Joseph is not mentioned by the time Jesus is 30 years old. Luke chapter 3, verse 23 is when his ministry started. He's 30 years old. Mary, I love this, pressed through confusion, watching the life of Jesus as a mother for 33 and a half years. She's watching him go through every experience. And then lastly, this blows me away. Mary was 15 at Christ's birth, potentially, and approximately 48 when he died. I never thought about her age. I don't know why when I think of Mary, I think of an old woman or something. I don't know. She might have married again. I don't know what happened to her. I don't know, but here's what I do know. I know what's amazing is, in a confusing life for 48 years, 
She watched for 33 years. She watched her life be confusing. Loss of a husband. Death of a son. This branding by the community. But she stayed steady. Does that describe you? Are, are, are you the kind of person who, because your life has a season of challenge, you allow the confusion to make you quit? Here's what I promise you. Life will be confusing. And here's what I'm challenging you to do. Have courageous faith in confusing seasons. And I want you to stand strong. And I want you to lift your head up. And I want you to say to God, I'm 48 years old. Imagine when all this is over. I'm 48 years old. I've lived through a brand that was unfair. I've watched my oldest son die. And I'm still trying to wrap my mind around Emmanuel, God in flesh. I'm trying to figure out why was I chosen. I'm trying to figure out my next step. My oldest boy just died and he looked over at John and said, John, behold your mama. Mary, behold, your son. So now I'm with this other disciple. Amazing. My life. I can't wait to get to heaven to say, what'd you do next, Mary? Are you in that do next season? You've lived through hell. You've lived through stories you can't tell. You've lived through stories... You can't explain to people. That's why somebody needs to stop telling people your story. Everybody you meet, you tell them your story. And they all look the same. <laughs> you out on your first date, you tell them, yes, I was married 18 times and had 89 boyfriends. Don't tell them that. Just say I had an interesting love life. That's all. Just say that. Don't say, just edit it down. Edit it down. <laughs> keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. Keep it. Talking too much. Scared everybody. There's something about learning how to manage confusing seasons. Lord, help us today leave this conversation with a commitment. A commitment to trust you when it's not clear. To trust you when we don't have the answers. When you're 48 years old and you're starting over again, 48 years old, and now it's time to turn the page. Help us to have the courage to turn that page. Did she move to a new city? Did she marry again? I don't know. But Father, she showed us the power of standing strong when you're confused. Joseph showed us the courage of moving ahead when it's the right thing to do. And God, I declare in your name today that somebody in this building and somebody watching on demand or somebody watching right now will say, I am where Mary was. I understand Joseph's challenge. And I lift my hand in faith and with courage and say, I receive your word, oh God, into my life. And I trust you. Would you do that? Lift your hand with me and declare it. Say, I trust you with my life. Come on, say it again. Say, I trust you with my life. In orientation in Bible college, my first, before my, before my first day, 
the man who became my pastor and had a great influence in my life, Jack Hayford. He was the president of the college at the time, and he did something that has stayed with me all of my life. He used to do this all the time. <laughs> and he did this, and he took his hands, and he had this little coat on. He pulled his cuffs up, and he did it like this. And he said, students, I'm going to tell you your greatest challenge in your whole ministry will be trusting God with your life. That was a moment for me. Your greatest challenge will be surrendering to yourself, dying to you, and raising your hand like Mary and say, I don't do that. I trust God's way. With my, I, I trust you. You are my source. So, Lord, today may people paint this image in their mind and say from the, for the rest of my life, I trust you with my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's what you want to do today, you've not done that. You've not truly trusted God with your life. You've lived in and out, up and down, but you've never really given your life to Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's what you want to do today, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Just raise your hand. Let me see. I see you. Anybody else? I see you and you and you and you and six. Anybody else? Seven. Do I see anybody else? Am I saying eight? Who else do I see? Nine. Who else do I see? I see more. Do I see anybody else saying that to me today? You want to surrender your life today for real in a way that you've not done before? Father, today we lift up these hands and these hearts. Many have lifted their hearts both here and at home. Touch them today. May this be the transforming moment when they say, Jesus, you came. You were born. You died for me. And in my confusion, I trust you. I surrender my life to you. Would you pray this prayer and say, in Jesus' name, this is a new day for my life. I trust you and your sacrifice for me. Thank you for being born. Thank you for coming into the world to guide me to wholeness. Thank you for my future. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a big hand clap for that?